everyone, and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on-field action. I'm your host, Joe Lowry, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jordan Angeli. Jordan, are you over that piece of skill from Alan Polito yet? No, I'm not. <laughs> Joe, I'm not kidding you. It, I had tears in my eyes. It was so, it brought me so much joy. And thinking about it is making me tear up again. <laughs> you texted I'm me. I'm the dorkiest person. Like, that is such a dorky thing. And you said, so you texted me and you said that that, that play, you were like, oh my, that play from Alan Polito. I have tears in my eyes from seeing that. Something along those lines. Jordan, I appreciate how much you love soccer. I do. I love it. It was, it was just so beautiful. Like he knew exactly what he was going to do in that moment. And like, we all thank him for that. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about that play. We're going to talk about Sporting Kansas City losing that game to Minnesota United 2-1 with a comeback goal in second half stoppage time for Minnesota. And then we're also going to talk about Real Salt Lake's 2-0 win over the Colorado Rapids. But before we do that, I think we need another coronavirus update. We've been doing little brief updates at the beginning of some of these shows. Jordan, we were supposed to have another game this morning. Yeah. This was going to be our first of three, a three game day, like the first one that we had. So uh, I know you and I stayed up late to do our last our podcast for yesterday. So it, we were turning around on like four hours of sleep to get up for that game. And I woke up and looked at Twitter and right away saw that that game was postponed. And so the game between Toronto and DC was supposed to be the 9am game today. It is now going to be played at 9am tomorrow, which is Monday, which is probably when you're going to be listening to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so um, it's going to be played at 9am today. So if you haven't watched that Turn it on right now. Uh, the reason that this happened is because there was one positive test and one inconclusive test when the teams went through their coronavirus testing yesterday. So if a team has a positive result, then they test every single day. If they have no positive results, then they test every other day and then before game day. So those before game days, it showed one positive, one inconclusive. So I think MLS made the right decision, Joe, to delay the game. And in that delay, they were able to retest everybody and all of the tests came back negative. So I think that is obviously one, they made the right decision. And two, it is a little makes you think a little bit about just this testing and how, you know, it's not perfect, just like playing through a pandemic isn't going to be perfect. Yeah, and I think more concerning to me, at least, than having to shift that Toronto-DC game is is the reality that the MLS group down in Florida is getting their test results back a lot sooner than a lot of the surrounding area in Florida. Paul Tenorio has a story out on The Athletic that he wrote talking about the fact that there is that difference in wait time that can really affect the lives of a lot of people surrounding Florida. It's a really challenging situation with a lot of ethical question marks. But the soccer is still happening. And as long as that soccer is happening, we're going to continue to analyze these games as best we can. So starting out with that, we have Sporting Kansas City and Minnesota United. Jordan, quickly, can you just walk us through these two setups very briefly here? Sporting Kansas City playing in uh, 4-3-3 with a lot of movement, I would say, with their wingers. So their wingers almost look like they're playing a 4-5-1 at times defensively. And then for Minnesota in a 4-4-2. And we saw that especially defensively because they defended for a long time. In they did. Game. Sporting <laughs> Kansas City controlled three quarters of this game, if not more. So let's start 
in this game, even though they did not win with that team and with the guy who showed up and starred in the middle of that controlling effort. And that's Alan Polito. I think I said it at the beginning of the season. I He's legit. He does so many things that you want out of a modern day number nine, because he's not just a number nine. He has the ability to almost flex into the midfield. I know Twelman mentioned on the broadcast that he has like the Firmino tendencies from Liverpool. And I would agree with that, but disagree with that at the same time, because I think he just does it different than even Firmino does. What do you mean? Can you elaborate on that? So he almost has the ability to play as a midfielder as well. So he'll play as a nine and hold the ball up and post up, right? There are some times where he almost looks like he is like boxing out his defender Mm -hmm. as in like a basketball player. And then there's times where he drifts off the back line and finds places where he can start to play make in the midfield. And I think that's really special. And not a lot of players can uh, like flow back and forth between those two very important positions as fluidly as he has shown us he can. He's really good in in the way that Peter Vermees is deploying him that you just described, where he comes off the back line sometimes in possession mm-hmm. and plays between the lines as yeah. a false nine, essentially. That's what it is. And that allows the central midfielders or the, the wingers or even the fullbacks to make runs in behind him. He's drawing yeah. the center backs forward. I mean, he's doing what that number nine who drops back is supposed to do. And he does it so, so well. I think one of the things that he does, what I saw too, one of the examples of Sporting Kansas City is they were working down the right side of their attack. And I felt like Minnesota was funneling SKC to the right side, trying to get it to their center back. And a lot of the times it was... Minnesota did what they were supposed to do, but Sporting Kansas City was just that much better at breaking it down because once it got to the center back, that ball would almost be cut, not square, right? Because you don't want to play a square ball from the the edge of uh, the sideline centrally because it has the ability to get picked off really Mm -hmm. easily. But they played it into either Ilya or Espinosa centrally, and then he could spin out or be in a little pocket of space to let the ball roll past him and beat the first defender. And then he could do whatever he wanted with it because of the way Minnesota was defending. And what I noticed in that situation on the right side is Polito, you have to give him so much respect as that number nine that it pinned Minnesota so far back on their 18 that there was just acres of space to play in front of them. And Gaddy Kinda was having a ball. He was almost tempting this Minnesota team to say, okay, well, we're going to switch the point of attack. So I'm going to look like I'm standing over here behind uh, Grey Goosh. And then as Espinosa gets the ball, I'm going to cut in that scene between the defensive line of Minnesota and behind Grey Goosh. So there was this huge funnel there and he just would cut in and do whatever he wanted. Kinda was very key in making those runs that Polito would create space for. Right, Polito would drop in, Espinosa and Ilya would be on one side, and then Kinda would come over from the weak side and fill that spot that Polito maybe normally would be in. And Kinda would make that run behind the back line and be in space either in front of or maybe across the face of one of the center backs to receive the ball on the run. That's a main thing that I noticed from him in this game that allowed Sporting Kansas City to be somewhat dangerous in possession. Because they yeah. weren't they weren't honestly all that dangerous with the ball when they were high up the field. The goal for Sporting Kansas City came when SKC won the ball deeper in the field, and that's where the Polito skill comes in. But Joe, the reason that they probably weren't 
dangerous in the attacking third when they were all the way up the field is because there were so many numbers there. Minnesota was so pinned back. They, they didn't know what to do. And they had a couple of... Uh, one thing I would say about Minnesota that I really noticed is even in the first half when they were so defensive in this 4-4-1-1 block or a 4-4-2 block that... Uh, on the weak side, the weak side outside mid would cheat and wouldn't tuck all the way in. So usually when you're playing a 4-4-2 block, you're almost on a string and you're trying to move together horizontally to cut off the gaps, right? To go forward. Well, that weak side player wouldn't tuck in because they wanted to use that player as a counterattack option. Because what is Minnesota good at? Getting out in transition. Yeah. Getting out in transition. But SKC was better at recognizing how to utilize that space that Robbie Finley wasn't tucking back in. So they went after that space time and time again. One other thing on Sporting Kansas City and and their matchup with that Minnesota United defensive block before we get into the three goals from this game. I thought Kansas City counterpressed really well for, again, three quarters or two thirds of this game, especially at the start of the second half. I was really keying in on SKC when they lost, when they lost the ball and they swarmed after the ball every time Minnesota would win it in their 4-4-2 block. If SKC couldn't break them down, which they couldn't for most of this game, SKC would then like clump around the ball, win it back quickly and get right back into their possession sequence. It's, it's the key example of defending with the ball using their possession and then being aggressive with their transition moments so that they can keep possession and continue defending essentially with possession. You know who I think is key in that as well is Roger Espinoza. He is so knowledgeable about when to go and when to, to sit back. And so when there is blood in the water, he's like, we hunt. And let's yeah. go get it. Yeah. And he's really he has that tenacity about him, right? You knew we weren't going to get through this game without Roger Espinosa getting a yellow card. But you're right. I, I think that they were really good in those counter pressing moments. And I have to also credit their wingers. I think the wingers from SKC did some really dirty work defensively to get back. And sometimes they were defending deep in their own half and then would fly forward and get forward. So Gerso and Shelton, I thought, would maybe the most disciplined wingers we've seen in any team so far. Okay, let's talk goals. The first okay. one was that Alan Polito piece of skill that leads to Kyrie Shelton getting on the ball. But let's start at the beginning of that sequence, right? Sporting Kansas City win the ball in their own half. Ilya plays the ball forward to Polito, who pulls out just this absurd touch, turn, flick. What I mean, it's all of those things in one to get around Boxel, the center back from Minnesota United. Polito then plays Shelton down the right side with Gerso on his left, Polito in the middle and Shelton on the right. Then it's those three guys moving down the field. Shelton dribbles into the box, and we get a big goalkeeping mistake from Tyler Miller. Tyler Miller thinks that Shelton's going to square it across to Gerso, and so Miller jumps ever so slightly away. Actually, that's an exaggeration. That's an under-exaggeration. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a decent-sized step to Miller's right. That leaves a gap at the near post, and Shelton just powers it in without much difficulty at all. It's a, it's a great build-up from Polito and a really bad goalkeeping error from Tyler Miller. I understand what he was trying to do because when you're defending, you like faint, right? You like give a little a faint to a, a person attacking you to see if they make, if it scares them into making a decision. But when you faint, it's like a little movement. It's really small. This was a hop and a hop <laughs> back. And I, it was just painful to watch. Yeah. I'm just going to say that. That's fair. Painful. It was, it's difficult because you're right. You see the intention. Yeah. You see the idea of, I'm going to cut off this, this cross across the six yard box because 
goalkeepers so often are late to that ball because they have to protect the near post. Yeah. But now you see why they're late to that ball. Because if you aren't tight, you're going to give up a goal. And I think people know us by now. Like, we're not out here, like, rooting for anybody to look bad. Right. And so when somebody, like, that just, it hurts me. I don't, I just want everyone to do well. And then we get to talk about all these cool things. And, like, that was just painful. It was painful for me to watch. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jordan. I'm sorry I didn't endure that. <laughs> Minnesota United, as these as the game progressed in the second half, became more dangerous in transition, and that led to them getting more chances in and around the box. It led to the Tim Melia red card that took SKC down a man. Eventually, late in the second half, Jan Gregus serves up the ball from a free kick into the box, gets that own goal to tie the game again late in the second half. Then a few minutes later, Minnesota United get the game winner from Kevin Molino. SKC can't clear the ball. Metinier plays across and Raheem Edwards touches it down into the middle for Kevin Molino, who finishes. And that's the game. Minnesota United hang on and take the lead late in this match, largely because I think they became a little bit more dangerous in transition as SKC tired. They absolutely did. They, I don't think either team really managed the red card very well. SKC didn't change much in how they were playing. Minnesota definitely didn't change much until probably the last 10 minutes, including stoppage mm-hmm. time, into how they were defensively pressing. I was like, guys, you are losing. You have to step to the ball and try to win it and try to make something happen. And then when they would, they did get the ball, they were taking four, five, six touches on the ball and it slowed everything down. It, it really opened up when those, when at towards the end, it was quick transition, one, two, three touches max in order to get out and find, um, not only a free kick for that first goal, but, uh, the second goal was really nice and how Minnesota built it up. Matt Doyle had a great video on Kevin Molino out on his Twitter that he's been doing a, a daily short tactical video for MLS. It's a really nice look at what Kevin Molino does so well. So instead of us digging into him, I say go watch that video from Doyle and we'll move on to our second game from the night, RSL to Colorado Rapids nil. Jordan, this game was rough. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I told Jordan, I told Jordan um, before we started recording that I I lost my focus a little bit in the second half. I kept taking notes, but I started um, watching the Muppets are listening to the Muppets perform the first act of Hamilton. So that sort of will give you guys a, a feeling for just how difficult this game was to watch, at least for parts of it. Yeah. You know, I think I'm still personally learning to like watch a game where the Rapids are playing and watch more of like a balanced game. Yeah. It's just been ingrained in my head so much to like watch the Rapids more intently. So I was definitely looking at them a, a, a little bit more than RSL. But the, the thing that I, that stuck out to me mostly in this game is the Rapids didn't have anybody to threaten on the wings. Hmm. It was like they lacked anything vertically in the channels. So it was really easy for RSL to defend them because they had to go through the midfield and they had to try to find Kai. And I thought Kai was pretty stagnant tonight and his lack of movement because RSL did a good job of dropping and not allowing Kai to try to get in behind. Right. And so it kind of just made this game of like turnovers in the middle of the field. I didn't notice the wingers so much in this game, which is a good observation from you. I think the Rapids overall were just really sloppy in possession. They looked rusty with the ball. They were holding on to it for too long. That's Namli. That's Kai Kamara. That's almost everyone on the field. Kellen Acosta. I mean, pretty much anybody. They were holding on to the ball. They were making poor passes. Their movement off the ball was slow. Sometimes they would rotate the ball from one side to the other, and no one would shift, really, or, or certainly not shift fast enough. 
And that just made it too easy for RSL to sit in that 4-4-2, apply pressure on the ball when, when the Rapids were too slow to move it or too slow to help their teammates move the ball. And it, it made life simple for them, especially resulting in that second goal of the game late in the match where the Rapids lost the ball. Corey Baird quickly passed it to Krylak at the top of the box, and that made it 2-0 late in the game. Joe, you know what they what it was a transition off of? Was it a throw-in? It was a throw-in. For the, the Rapids, still working. for the Rapids. And it made me think of you because you have talked about how throw-ins are just this un- underutilized art form in some ways, right? And especially when you're in your defensive third to give away a throw-in in that tight of space when you're nearly on the top of your box, it was... And it wasn't the initial throw. It was what happened off of that. Sure. And I think that points out the lack of movement off the ball. I think that for the Rapids, the couple of times that they attacked with real intention, uh, to me, it was Kellen Acosta just playing one touch with, I think it was Nomaly one time. Him and Nomaly did a couple of one-twos around a couple of players, and then he would ping and switch the point of attack. But once the ball got switched, it was like, okay, you're on your island. Do some work. From the beginning of this game, the Rapids didn't set themselves up to succeed. Robin Frazier had that half, not halftime interview, but the second half interview with ESPN as RSL scored their second goal. But Frazier essentially said they were too passive at the beginning of this match. In the first 30 minutes, basically, leading up to RSL's first goal, the Rapids were content to sit and absorb pressure or try to absorb pressure. And they weren't threatening with the ball. They weren't trying to build. They were pretty much just playing long into RSL's half and losing the ball at that point or losing the ball even lower in their own half. And that allowed RSL to grab that goal in the 27th minute where Rusnak sort of grabs the ball in the box off of a cross from Martinez on the right wing. And it's not a clean finish, but it gets past Clint Irwin to make it 1-0. From the start of this match, the Rapids did not set the tone how they wanted. I have a question for you on that because I feel like they could have switched some things defensively. But what do you think they could have done better? Because maybe you're content with playing without the ball for a Mm -hmm. little bit, right? And not having the ball and having to defend. But clearly what they were doing was not the answer. How would you have changed either the shape of the defensive pressure or the line of confrontation? Yeah, I think shifting the line of confrontation a little bit higher up the field for longer. They started where there was pressure from both teams right off the bat from the the first whistle. It was. The The game was moving end to end. Neither team had really settled in for the first five or ten minutes. And so that's fine if you're the Rapids. You can deal with that and try to outlast RSL. But they did not end up outlasting RSL with that. They ended up sitting deeper, which again is okay. If you're not going to move your line of confrontation higher up the field, then I think you need to be a little bit more dangerous when you win the ball. Have the ball into Kai Kamara. Let him lay it off to Eunice Nomaly. I don't think those two players connected well at all in this game. Kamara either held it too long or Nomaly. I mean, we kind of talked about this already. Mm -hmm. They weren't on the same page for a lot of this game. So having quicker combination play, almost like we saw from the Red Bulls yesterday, where it's quick, it's quick, direct, there's movement. Everyone has a clear understanding of where they're going to be. I don't think we saw that from the Rapids when they had the ball in transition, especially in the first half. Well, for me, it was because they were in this this block, right? And it was so deep. And at, at times, it was a 4-5-1. And Nomley is your playmaker, right? He's mm-hmm. your 10. And you're saying you want him to play off of Kai Kamara, where there were times, Joe, when he was sitting in between Kellen Acosta and Jack Price in a defensive unit. Not That's ideal. not where you want him. <laughs> yeah. That is not where you want him. And so for me, I, I was thinking, okay, how could they, they... I think if they would have switched to maybe like a 4-1-4-1 or maybe even 
created some kind of triangle in the midfield because it was like the two defensive midfielders for RSL were just being able to ping the ball wherever they wanted to. So truly invert your midfield, not to the man marking that we've seen in other teams, but zonally invert it and and try to get some more pressure because there was there was no pressure on those holding mids and they just kept creeping back, 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 back. And it allowed RSL to create a rhythm. We've talked a lot about Colorado and I think there's a good reason for that. There's always a question of, was one team bad or was the other team good? Were the Rapids bad or was RSL good? I, I, tonight, the Rapids were bad. RSL took advantage of that poor performance from the Rapids, so credit to them for that. But I do think the real storyline from this match and the real tactical analysis that we needed to do was on the Rapids because that wasn't what we were expecting. That wasn't what I was expecting. I was yeah. expecting the Rapids to be much more polished in possession, much closer to to the crew or SKC and how they move the ball. And that's not what we ended up seeing. Fair play to RSL, though, for taking advantage of a lot of those mistakes. Gosh, and it's just so hard for me to talk about that, you know? <laughs> I'm a Colorado girl, and it's it's difficult, but, you know, it's the truth. Yeah. All right. Well, Jordan, I won't make you talk about it anymore. We will leave this episode <laughs> where it is and be back again soon with another episode of MLS Assist, recapping and analyzing games from the MLS's back tournament. Yeah, we've got three tomorrow, Joe. I mean, as of sleep now, at up. least we do. I'm going to sleep yeah. up. You should do the same. <laughs> Listeners, thank you for listening, and we'll be back again soon.